All right. Technically, this is part four for our study of baptism and scripture, but in reality, it's part five. Spent an hour and a half doing a review on a sermon on Acts 2.38, um, which actually turned more into a sermon on repentance, which was frustrating. I thought they would address baptism more, but they spent... Um, they spent probably about 35 minutes uh, telling us that repent means everything else other than change your mind, <laughs> okay? So, which was frustrating um, because, um, it, once again, it just demonstrates, even though we're, we're studying baptism, but the fact that I, I, I you know, reviewed a sermon that was, what, almost 50 minutes long that basically spent its entire time telling me repentance means something other than change your mind is a little frustrating because... It just demonstrates, and we've talked about this a lot, that it's that you would think, just just from just a purely human logical point of view, that if Christians are using the same book, the Bible, and we claim this is the final authority, that there's just certain things we should be able to agree on, right? We should be able to agree on the meaning of baptizo, right? We we should we should be able to uh, agree on the meaning of repentance. Like there's just certain things we should be able to agree on. It's just the meaning of a word, right? But we can't. We have an entire we have entire denominations, different denominations because we can't agree on the meaning of baptizo. We have entire denominations because we can't agree on the word repentance. We we have like it's so uh, we don't we can't even agree on the word sanctification. So, like, it, it's just like, what, what hope is there if we can't agree on the meaning of a word? Like, you just think there should just be universal agreement. But I guess it fits perfectly because we've been, you know, we're working on baptism. So, what we did, obviously, everyone remembers, we worked on baptism really in history. We, we went from about 50 A.D. to about 215, 220 A.D., I think we did pretty good there. We looked at those historical sources. We were able to accomplish what we wanted to accomplish, which was to show that it started off as something that seemingly relatively simple, and it became more and more complicated, more and more convoluted, more and more this big thing. And they added all kinds of things to it that we can all agree are not scriptural and not biblical in any way, shape, or form, right? I think we can all agree that clearly occurred, right? And so... um, and so at some point, we have to realize, wait a minute. If we try to follow early church on baptism, who do we listen to, right? Because even people who claim they listen to the early church in baptism don't actually listen to the early church in baptism because they don't follow all the things that we've read about and those three historical documents. And that didn't even... Can you imagine if we spent from go, reading all the historical documents, say, from 220 to 400 A.D.? Like, who knows how many different things we would find? So clearly, clearly we know then if we're just going to rely on scripture, then what we needed to do, and even though I thought we were kind of kind of move on, I thought it would be worth our time to then do a scriptural overview, right? So we started in Matthew, we made it up to Acts. Now, as we've gone through, we've broken these scriptures down in a sense, kind of put them in different categories about what we have learned, right? Hopefully someone has them all written down, okay? <laughs> Hopefully someone does, all right? Uh, so because, uh, because we, this is very important that we get these categories down because then you can look at anybody when you're having a discussion about baptism and go, no, if you go from Matthew to Revelation, here are the scriptures and here's where they fit, all right? So what was the first thing we, we, we put, the first category we put everything in? 
Okay, we found the mode of baptism. And what was the mode of baptism? Immersion. And what did we base that off of? The meaning of the Greek word, baptizo, right? right? Which means to immerse, to submerge, to overwhelm, to make fully wet. I mean, I mean, it's just, I don't even know how you can get around it, right? I mean, it just seems obvious. It seems clear, right? And any scripture they try to find, like, well, they, they washed vessels. Well, when you wash something, you make it fully wet. I mean, like, I, I don't understand, like, well, they didn't actually immerse the table, but they made it fully wet. So, I mean, it's the same principle, right? I, I, I just, I, it's just so weird that you would try to take one little, like, supposed deviation and change the entire meaning of the word. It's just not the way, it, it, we, we can't do that. We, 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 oh, it's just so frustrating. So, I think we got that. What, what else did we base the mode on? All the examples, right? And in every example, they do what? Either it says they were baptized into the Jordan, not the Jordan sprinkled on them, and they went, they came up out, or they went down in. So, I mean, every description there screams the moat. And then in one place, they were baptizing because there was much, well, why would you have to go where there's much water? Like, I mean, Everything screams at the mode. All right, what was the second? The candidates, all right? Who should be baptized? And what did we, kind of, how did we, bro- how did we break this down? They were taught, confessed, repent, believe, however, you know, order we want to put it in. We're not so much worried about the order right there. But, but in other words, clearly this uh, uh, 1,000% eliminates whom? Infants, gone, just nowhere, nowhere, no how, because every case someone is taught, someone believes, they confess, they repent. I mean, over and over and over, that's the, that's the example, all right? So that destroys the idea of candidate, or that destroys the idea of infants. Now, ch- even small children, it would be a little iffy because they would have to be able to... They'd have to be able to understand. They'd have to be able to repent. They'd have to be able to believe. They'd have to, like, there, there, was, there would be things that would have to occur. All right? Next. Doesn't always refer to water. Doesn't always refer to water. I don't know what our count is right now. We were keeping count. Uh, how many times it was water? How many times it was not water? Does anybody know? Okay, 46 to 19, something along that line. But for, for a long time, it was just staying even. It was almost 50-50. I think it's jumped way up. But, I mean, we get the uh, Clearly, that means then when, whenever we see the word baptism, we don't have to immediately assume that it's what? Water. That, that's the main thing to take away from there. The next thing we'd established? The order. And the basic order goes teach, we know, Right? That, well, we don't, I think the repent may come before the believe if we're going to put in a direct order, right? A repent, a believe, right? Because repentance usually comes before believing typically, right? That's the way we typically, because you have to change your mind, but then the believing goes with the repenting. Oh, well, we can get a long discussion. Then the baptism and then the fasting. Right? Remember the fasting it comes after? And the only reason we emphasize that is the only person who fasted after is Jesus. But if you're going to put fasting connecting with it, it comes after. It doesn't come before, even though church history puts it before, which is just bizarre, right? Like, where did they come up with the idea to put it before? 
I, I have no idea where that idea derives from, derives from because we don't have one example of that, do we? It's just repent, believe, be baptized kind of concept. All right, next. The formula, which we know, name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Where do we see that formula seemingly changed? In Acts, but we think the reason it's changed in Acts is for what purpose? All right, well, well, the audience in Acts, go to, I think Acts 2 is the first place it shows up, right? Acts 2.38, and that's the, the whole message I spent an hour and a half reviewing. Right, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized. See, note the repent comes before the baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, Acts 2, who is Peter preaching to? All the Jews who come there for the day of Pentecost. So what is he trying to emphasize? Jesus is the Messiah. So he's saying being baptized in the name of Jesus. Well, let's make it, make it very clear. When we baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, doesn't that, in a sense, include the name of Jesus? Because we have Father, Son. I know one is Pentecostal said, no, that's like having a blank check. You've got to sign it. So you've got to sign it. Okay, I understand what one is Pentecostal say, but it, I believe that saying in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit involves also in the name of the Son because he's the, he's the Son. So, uh, so I don't think it's a big deal, but we're going to go with the, the Trinitarian formula since that's the formula who gave. Jesus. So I'm just going to assume that that's somewhat authoritative. <laughs> right? I, I, call me foolish, but that's where I'm going to go with. All right, next. I may have that up. Next, I have well, we, we, we did put fasting in its own category, but we also kind of set it in its order, uh, under order, only because I wanted to really emphasize to show you how church history just on something so simplistic, so simple, because everyone added fasting. Do you remember? Didache, Tertullian, Hippolytus, they all added it, and they all put it where? Which was insane to me. But I just wanted to show you, you can go from the scriptures, and immediately the church started what? Adding. All right, and then we, we can get to the regulative principle versus the normative principle. We could get into a whole discussion about that, but we don't do that. Was there any other categories? All right, those are the categories. Now, so far... After we've established the categories, all the scriptures we find just fit in where? Under one of those categories. Now, we may add one more category. Just remember, whenever we have a scripture that fits that category, just go back and add it to that category to further prove it. All right. Now, let's go back to Acts 2.38 because we do have to verify something here. Because I was hoping we'd have verified it when we covered it, but we didn't. So um, I want to go back to it. I talked about it in the, uh, the sermon review, but if you didn't hear it, let me try to at least establish it here. All right. Acts 2.38. Remember, this is the passage that causes all the problems. All right. I don't know why it causes. I, well, some of the things people use it for drive me crazy. Right. So let's first establish that Acts 2.38 and 39 does not in any way, shape or form support infant baptism. I want to just get this out of the way and destroy that concept completely, all right? Now, looking at Acts 2, 38 through 39, let's just read it. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you, will receive, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. All right, 
Now let's stop right here. Why, why do you think anyone would use this to support infant baptism? Because it says the promise is to your children. All right? I have no idea why any logical, rational, reasonable, thinking person would ever attempt in any way, shape, or form to say that supports infant baptism. All right? Everyone can look at the scripture and see why it doesn't support infant baptism. Why does it not support infant baptism? Yeah, I mean, literally it says, repent. What else does it say? Does it just say repent or does it say believe? Okay, just repent. Okay, well, the, all right, but the belief idea is obviously there, right? Okay, so it's repent, all right? And be baptized every one of you in the name of some. But the believe part is obviously is implied there. But the point is, can an infant repent? No. So that destroys it. So how do you understand the promise for your children? The promise is if a child repents and believes, they can be baptized, okay? All right? I, I, I understood. And if you go down to, I think, verse 42, it says as many as receive the word are baptized. Is it verse 42? 41. 41. Okay, well, then obviously, then how, what is it, how does it work? Those who repent and receive the word, right? Or those who receive the word repent, believe. However you want to put it, you can put the basic order there. The infants can't meet that order. The promise may be for them if they do those things, but until they do those things, they can't be baptized. I don't know how, why. Who would come there and think that that, I don't know how you can make that work for infant baptism. It just makes no sense to me. All right, so everybody got that? All right, so we can remove that. Second, we've addressed uh, the being baptized in Jesus' name. We've addressed that, yes. So the, the big issue comes down to, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And then we have the word for. This is where all the debate rages, right? The debate rages here. Okay, so how does this typically read? Most people believe it reads, or not most, well, okay, throughout church history, I say a large portion of church history, would read this as we are baptized in order to to get the remission of sins. We're baptized to get it, right? You're baptized, and what do you get when you're baptized? The remission of sins. Others have argued that we should not read it that way. We should read it that we are baptized because of the remission of sins. So I gave everyone here a chance to to try to say, well, can can that Greek word work? Can it work that way? Can it work that way? And most, most everyone here felt that, well, we, I don't know if we can really say that or not. So let's do a, I want to show you something. If you have the Blue Letter Bible app, this is a good time to open it. Hopefully this won't lead to massive disagreement, but I will do my best to just to articulate this if you didn't hear the sermon review. Here we go, if I can find the Blue Letter Bible app. There it is. All right. Let's go to Acts. Chapter 2, it's verse 41, right? No, I'm sorry, verse 38, okay? Acts 2, 38. And here's the word for, and the word for is... Now, for some reason, uh, some people pronounce it ace, but it's ice, right? Strong's G, 1519, ice, ice. Okay, but I heard some preachers pronounce it ace. I have no idea why, but because 
I would pronounce, I mean, as bad as I am, I would say ice because the pronunciation is I-C-E, okay? So I would, I would pronounce it ice. That's the only one I would ever get right, okay? All right, so it's used 1,774 times. That's a lot of times, right? And if we look at Strong's definition and look at everything, most feel like, well, I don't know if we can see because of, because of. But if you'll go to, let me see if I can find it here. And I'm not saying that this proves everything, so don't, you know, no one start losing it on me and yelling at me. But if you'll look at Matthew 12, 41. Matthew 12, 41. Ice is used here. All right, Matthew 12, 41. Now, in the sermon that we reviewed, they referenced this as talking about Noah. I have no idea why, because Noah's not in this passage, but okay. Um, I think they were reading from some book instead of looking it up, but you know how I like to look everything up. Matthew 12, 41. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. Well, guess what the word I at is? Ice. So it's not that they repented in order to get the preaching of Jonas. They repented because of the preaching of Jonas. In fact, some translations have because here, right? How many different translations do we have present? Remember, we had at least one who, uh, who translated... Uh, Acts 2.38 with because of, but. All right, I don't know if any, any translations have because of. I think some do. I, I, I think so. I could be wrong. But obviously when you, do I? Yeah, yeah. But the point is. Okay, it says at. Okay, but the con- but you can see how we would read it, right? We don't. Yeah, we don't. We don't understand that to mean they repented in order to get the preaching. They obviously repented because of the preaching. Why are we baptized? Not in order to get it, but because of it. All right, that's that's the thing. I'm not saying it proves it dogmatically. I haven't worked through 1,220 something references to see how many times that may occur. But as long as it occurs once, that at least gives us what? Possibility. Possibility that we can translate it this way. Now, I know others will go, no, 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 no. You have to go with how it's normally translated. And I will agree with that. My only issue would be, wait a minute, if that is true, and just remember this, if it's true that we have to translate it that you are baptized in order to get the remission of sins, then what would that, what, what, by necessity, what would come from that? Nobody can be saved without baptism, end of story. And second, if your baptism gives you the remission of sins, why do all the people who believe that turn around and teach, you can lose your salvation? If your baptism produces a remission of sins, then all your sins should be forgiven. So how can you lose your salvation if all your sins have been forgiven? All right. So that's where the problems uh, end up. So does that make sense? I wanted you to at least see that Matthew 12, 41 gives you at least some, some hope that it is possible to translate it that way. It's at least possible. Not saying it's the most... 
common. I, I don't want anyone to accuse us of not being fair, but I think it's, it's, it's completely unfair to say it can never happen because there's an example of it, yes? And I bet you in 1,224 times, I guarantee you there's probably more than one. But I, if anybody wants to go spend the rest of the Sunday going through 1,224 references, I, I just don't want to derail our study to do that. Does that make sense? Okay, good. All right. Now, where did we stop in uh, the book of Acts? All right. Let's go to Matthew, or Matthew, Acts chapter 9, and let's start our journey finishing up this. All right. All right, this, is, uh, this has been about Saul's conversion. Yes. And immediately, I uh, see, and Ananias went his way, entered into the house. This is 17. Putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way uh, as thou camest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his, eye, uh, there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forwith and arose and was baptized. This seems to, I'm not saying it proves anything dogmatically, but it seems to, uh, seems to imply and seems to prove that Saul had what? Already believed. That he had already believed. So he believed and was baptized. All right? And clearly he had been taught. He was confronted by Jesus on the road. Right? So in a sense, some of the order is kind of still there. Right? Agreed? All right, just, just make sure we understand that. All right, the next use. Stephen, do you still have a list for baptized? I did baptism. Okay. Okay, what, what's the next one? Where do we go? Okay, so we agree there's no more in chapter 9. All right, then chapter 10, verse 1, or verse, first one is 37. All right. So we'll go back to verse 34, Acts 10, 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word I say, you know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. All right, that's simply a reference to Baptism is John. All right. Doesn't help us with anything. All right. Next. 1047. All right. Now let's go back to 44. When Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them which, had, which heard that, the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? Now stop right here. All right. 47. We possibly have a problem. What's the possible problem in verse 47? Well, in this case, they receive it before baptism, right? Because he's saying, why shouldn't they be baptized? Because they have received the Holy, Holy Ghost like we have. Yeah, they've already received the Holy Ghost before baptism. Why is that a problem? 
Go to Acts 2.38. Acts 2.38 seems to imply you get the, bapti- the Holy Spirit after baptism. Now, that could possibly imply that, well, no, we, 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 there's a lot of things we can look at. Do we go back to Acts 2.38 and say, we are baptized because we've received the forgiveness of sins and the Holy Spirit? Now, I don't think grammatically that works. It would be great if we could make it grammatically work, but you, you're the grammar people. I think someone emailed me about this grammar problem, and I said I'd have to ask my grammar experts because I'm definitely not one. It definitely would fix everything if it's true, right? If we can make it work. Can we make it work grammatically? Well, there may be two separate things, but you still have the Holy Spirit happen, people getting the Holy Spirit before they're baptized. So, Well, I mean, you, you could try to make an argument that there is no order, but Acts 2.38 seems to establish an order. So, but my thing is, if we can grammatically make Acts 2.38 say we're baptized because we've got these two things, then it, then it fixes that problem. But I don't think grammatically we can make that work, can we? My grammar people are being really quiet. Y'all get paid lots of money to give me all the grammar answers. Okay, lots of money. I mean, it's like $100 an hour you guys make, so make more than I do. (laughs) Okay, well, I'm not getting any answers. Well, yeah, we're not going to get to the tongues issue here because that'll sidetrack us forever. Just know that speaking in tongues is speaking at, we feel a known language. Oh, well, there's no question that the book of Acts has, well, I'm going to mention that in a minute, but I'm just seeing what grammar, what chance, what possibilities do we have here with grammar? Okay, so we repent, we're baptized because we have the forgiveness of sins, but not the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is separate from the forgiveness of sins. So we repent and baptize because we've got the forgiveness of sins, then we get the Holy Spirit. That's how we grammatically understand it. Okay, so if it says and. I was trying to come up with a very simple and elegant situation and solution. All right, so we don't have one. All right, okay, so we don't have it. So nobody has a good answer. All right, well, I was hoping we could come up with a good answer. So we can put it this way. We, can we be on? So then this is, I'm going to say this. Grammatically, then we cannot say Acts 2.38 is saying that we 
repent and baptize because we have the forgiveness of sins and the Holy Spirit. The best we can do is we repent and baptize because we've got the forgiveness of sins, but the Holy Spirit thing is separate. Is that fair to say? All right, we think so? Do what? Okay, that's what the verbs are saying, okay? See, this is why grammar is bad, because nobody knows, okay? All right. It's, it definitely seems to come after. Okay. It does. All right. Which is, which is dangerous because this gets to the doctrine of subsequence, which the, the charismatics love so much, right? Okay. But I know. Uh, but uh, hey, we got to be fair with the grammar, right? That's, look, that's the one thing. Remember, I, hopefully everyone in this church knows the one thing we don't do is we don't worry about which team we offend, right? We're not bound by a team, right? Like, I, I don't care. I don't care if I made the reform people mad, the non Like, the, the last thing I want to do is be bound by teams, right? And I know that t- typically gets me in trouble because somebody's like, well, wait a minute, I thought we believed this. No, you thought you believed it, not we, because what do I believe? Whatever I'm studying currently, I'm going to be honest with the text. I don't care what I believed 15 minutes ago. So let's, uh, let's look up all, uh, of which one? Of Acts 2.38? Oh, good. Let's do that. Everyone, let's look up all the English translations. I like it. Everybody, let's look up all the English translations. If you go to Google and just type in Acts 2.38 and go to Bible Hub, you'll get them all. Same thing. It's the and, right? Oh, and you will. Okay, all right. Okay, gotcha. See, look at that. Y'all breaking it all down. See, I knew y'all could do that. See, I knew y'all could help me out here. That's why I pay you all that money, all right? Uh, New Living Translation, uh, then you will receive. ESV, and you will receive. Berean Standard, you will receive. Berean Literal, and you will. King James, and ye shall receive. New King James, and you shall receive, and you will receive. New American Standard, and you will receive, and you shall receive. Yeah, all of them are going to wing that way. Um, yeah, even the Amplified. Be baptized each of you in the name of Jesus Christ because of the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So almost all of them separate it. All right, so we can't... Um, so we can't do much with that grammatically. So that means when we get to Acts 10, we got an anomaly here that's really bizarre, right? Because in Acts 10, we have the Holy Spirit, they're getting the Holy Spirit before they are baptized. <laughs> now, so what do we do? Okay, this is very important to realize. We do know this. Acts, and I think everyone agrees, is what kind of book? transitional. Now, I know that sounds like a cop-out, and I know that sounds like an excuse, but it's a transitional book, and what are we transitioning from? Basically, the Old Covenant into, I guess you could almost, and I don't want to go too dispensational here, but you're almost transitioning from the Old Covenant into the church age, and there's a lot of just Times it doesn't seem to fit, right? Because here you got someone receiving the Holy Ghost, not just someone. Go back to Acts 10. Which verse are we at? 
Uh, yeah, 47. Uh, because you've got uh, not just some, but uh, when Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Right? So they are all, they're all, they're, and then of course they speak with tongues, which is a whole different separate issue we can't get into now. And then can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost? They've received it. It didn't just fall on them. They've received the Holy Ghost before their baptism. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they them to tarry certain days. I, I don't know what you do with that other than clearly, once again, though, we can, we can verify this. The people who are baptized are people who obviously haven't believed because you don't get the Holy Spirit without believing, right? So once again, they've heard the word and they believed. So clearly, what does this once again eradicate, just eliminate? This is it. No infant baptism here, once again, all right? Next, I wish we could spend more time, but there's not, I mean, there's no way to fix that. I don't know what to do. The order is out of whack, okay? I don't know what to tell you, okay? All right, next. Yeah, we just discussed it. All right, does everyone agree? 11.16 is next. All right, 11.16. Then remembered I the word. Okay, let's, uh, let's see where we're at here. Um, so uh, Jewish believers are challenging Peter here. Okay. Um, verse uh, 15, Acts 11.15. And as I begin to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the words of the Lord, how that he said, John baptized with water, but you should be baptized with the Holy Ghost. All right, this is a non-water baptism. What, what's, what baptism is he referring to here? The baptism of the Holy Ghost? And he just sees an example of it. Yes? Oh, yeah, you got one of each, right? Okay. All right, any, any problems there? All right, next. Everyone agree six... 1324. All right, that's good. That's good. That's 1324. We just want to make sure we don't skip any. Because I don't want someone to email me going, you missed 15. Okay. Acts 13, 24. When John had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. All right. We know that, that his baptism were for the Jews, which is what created all the problems in the first place. All right. Okay. Um, we've got that. Yeah, that's water. Yeah, that's water. That's, that's John. Yep. All right, next. 11 what? 11. We skipped. Did we skip that? No, we, we got 11, 16. Yeah, we got that. And then that's 13. All right, 16. 15. Okay, chapter 15, what verse? 16. All right, I'm sorry. 15, verse 16. All right. Uh, okay, chapter 16, verse 15. All right, here we go. All right, I was getting all of your numbers all inverted. Okay, all right. Acts 16, 15. Then, okay, uh, let's go back to verse, where do we want to go here? We'll go to 14. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of Thyatira, 
uh, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul, and when she was baptized. Stop right here. We've got to stop right here. Okay, first of all, her baptism is based off what order? She obviously heard and believed. But here comes the very first mention of the most controversial thing in the history of Christianity. She was baptized and her household. Okay, now, for some weird reason, as soon as we read that, a whole bunch of people within Christianity go, see, this proves infant baptism. All right, now we're going to have to look at everything that happens here. First and foremost, don't you see how frustrating that is? After all of these verses, I don't even know how many verses we've looked at so far. I don't even know. After every example, where even in Acts 2.38, repent and believe. It's believe, believe, believe. And then all of a sudden, because it uses the word household, typically it's Presbyterians who are the ones who tick me off the most because they tend to be the most condescending and arrogant jerks thinking that they know more than everyone else. And if you don't believe in infant baptism, you get told because you don't know how to read, you not read Calvin, or you don't understand covenants, and they get all, like, just arrogant. All of a sudden, though, I'm supposed to go, oh, there was 10 babies in that household. There was 15 babies in that household. There were 20 babies in that household. Okay, the whole thing ticks me off. It really does. It would be, look, I got no problem if you disagree, but to act like that Baptists are stupid, it bothers me. Well, not only is it speculative, it takes me five seconds to find households in the Bible where they didn't have babies. Right? We can go to Abram and Sarah. How long were they a household before they had a baby? It was almost like a hundred years, right? Okay, that's a long time. Wait, didn't uh, Samuel's mom, they didn't, she didn't have a baby, right? Didn't until she prayed. Like, so there were clearly examples of people in the, in the Bible who were what? Childless. Oh, no, that, that's impossible. Okay, not only that, if you're going to say that anyone in the household is to be baptized, then let's, let's carry that out, right? Okay, Job had like 9,000 kids, right? So let's say Stephen finally gets saved, then everyone's just automatically baptized? Now what they would say, well, no, 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 no. If they're old enough, they have to believe. Well, then why wouldn't the baby have to believe? Right? Because isn't the order you believe? Like, I, it's just so ridiculous. What the most, what's the simplest way to read it? Everyone obviously in the household who repented and believed were baptized. It does, I don't understand why this is even a controversy. But they're like, households, households, households. If you Baptists knew how to read, I, 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 I really don't understand the arrogance. Because wait a minute, every example we've gotten so far, it's it, it just, it's my, it's just, I don't get it. Right, yeah, because it, yeah, it almost would be like her faith saved the whole house. Yeah, that's not the only place. It's, I, every time I read a place right. in Scripture that says it like that, I don't like it for that reason. Right. It's not 
Right. So therefore, they all got saved because one person believed. Right. Like that would be more of a problem for me. Right. And put it this way. There's nothing here about, oh, all the everyone in the household got baptized so they could put the mark of the covenant on them. It doesn't say anything like that. But let's read the whole verse. You can see how I just get frustrated with this. And the reason I get frustrated is, one, just because anytime I've had discussions, and it's always with Presbyterians, it's just they treat me like I'm an idiot, and it just makes me so mad. Because, and they tell me that I, I need to read Calvin. It's like, everyone go work, walk in our library. What's at the bottom? The complete commentaries of Calvin, and then the Institutes of the Christian Religion, which I constantly tell everyone to read. Like, I'm not afraid of reading Calvin. Let's say, just because I don't believe in your infant baptism doesn't make me stupid. And it just, I just don't like that, that, that attitude. It's one thing to disagree, right? It's another thing to attack people as being ignorant or stupid or to claim that we don't know church history, which we've already clearly established. What did we do? We spent weeks looking at church history. So let's look at this and see if we get any clues here, all right? A certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful unto the Lord, come into my house and abide there, as she constrained us. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the Spirit. So it doesn't give us any information. So if it doesn't give you any information, the easiest way to read this is obviously those in the household believed. I mean, it just, or you're going to say Lydia's faith saved everyone in the house. And don't you wish it could work that way? Would it be great? I mean, if, 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 it, if it was that way, I mean, Stacy would be saved because of my faith, right? I mean, so it would, it would be great, but it doesn't work that way. Uh, uh, the Bible always makes it clear that faith is a personal thing. Yes. Okay. So obviously. All right. Ne- next passage. What verse? 33. All right. This is conversion of the prison keeper, right? Uh, we know, um, you see here, uh, he, uh, verse 30, Acts 16, 30. He brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Once again, it's what? Someone believing. And they tell him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Now you see, the, see where Stacy was saying? That's a problem. That's a big, that, that to me is more problematic than infant baptism. Because verse 31 seems to imply what? If he believes, everyone in his house will be saved. No, does anyone read it that way? Hey, if one person believes, everyone is saved. Well, I mean, like, I mean, it's just, obviously, we can't, we can't even though the verse seems to imply that, we can't, I mean, either we have to change our entire theology, right? All we need to do is get one person saved in every household, and everyone in the household will be saved. But nobody believes that. So what we've replaced it with What? Oh, well, now, one person believes everyone in the house should be baptized. Well, well, no, no, no. Not if they're old enough to believe. But if they're a baby, they should be baptized. But so I, it's just, it's a whole thing. It just makes no sense. You, you, got, you look in a different translation? Okay, and do we have anything there that offers any help? Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your house. 
Yeah. Now, I, I think you could argue this. And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. I think the implication is anyone who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved, right? I, I think that's the only way to understand it. All right. Yeah, and then here we go. And then they spake, yeah, and they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. Meaning, clearly, they preached to everyone in the house. That would, once again, exclude infants because I, you can try to preach sermons to infants. It usually doesn't go very well. Hard enough preaching to adults, much less infants, right? And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized he and all, he and all his straightway. All right. Now, but immediately, though, it clearly indicates that everyone was preached to. So that would seem to imply that if we go back to then the, other, the first use of the household baptism, that it probably followed the same pattern, right? Lydia believed and they preached to whom? The household. And then those who believed were baptized. Because that's the pattern that we've gotten up to this point. All right. Next. 18.8. We're going to run out of time. Did we, no, uh, none in 17, right? Everybody agrees? Right? 18.8. All right, we can go back to 7 because we're going to have another household, I think. Uh, Acts 18.7. And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshiped God, whose house joined, joined hard to the synagogue. And uh, Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house. Once again, what does that seem to imply? Well, that everyone believed, right? Does that seem to imply that everyone in the house believed? With all his house, and many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were... Okay, what's the order again? Believe and baptize. Believe and be baptized. Believe and be baptized. Believe and be baptized. So how many households have we seen? That's three. Two of them clearly implied that the word of God was preached to them and I think clearly implied that they believed. Lydia is the only one so far that we don't, but why would we go read Lydia as the way to get babies baptized? It makes no sense. I mean, this is, this is where the situation starts just driving me crazy, all right? Uh, any more in chapter 18? 25, what do we have here? Um, this man was instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. All right. Nothing specific here. Okay. Next. 19.3. And he said unto them, unto what then were ye baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. Then said uh, Paul, John verily baptized unto the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, which is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came upon them. Now we're back to the right order with the Holy Spirit. But, and some would say the order, the doctrine of subsequence. But the bottom line is, once again, do you see how frequent, look, I don't know how hard it is to, to demonstrate this. Every single time people are taught, they believe, and they're baptized. 
And, and, the only ex and the only one that's not clearly mentioned is Lydia's household, but clearly she was taught and she believed, and the, the other households would imply that's the same way it worked for everyone in her household. Because, I mean, that's how it works in every situation. What have we not seen yet? We're in chapter 18 of Acts, right? What have we not seen in, in, from Matthew to a Acts 18? We have, not mentioned, we have not seen a baby being baptized We've not seen some elaborate ceremony. We've not seen people taking off all their clothes. We've not seen people anointed with oil. We've not seen people exercised with demons. We have not seen uh, fasting before. We've not seen three years of instruction. We've not seen anything the early church did. Not one thing the early church did do we see here. Not one. Except water. That's it. Not one thing the early church did do we, do we see here. It is fascinating that we can go that quickly and how far we deviate. It's just crazy. All right, next, let me see if we can get through Acts. Nothing in chapter 19? Okay, or did we just look at 19? Okay, all right. So, okay, I was like, man, did we, okay, so we, so we made it all the way to 19. No more in 19? Okay, then? 22.16. All right, uh, verse 14, and he said, The God of our fathers hath chosen thee, that thou shouldest know his will, and see that just one, and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth, for thou shalt be his witness unto all men whom thou hast seen and heard. And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Once again, though, they are what? Someone hears. Someone is taught, then they are baptized. Now, we could get back to the whole wash away your sins thing, I know, but at least we're establishing the basic order so far, right? Anything else here? We good? All right, any more in Acts? That's it in the book of Acts? Have we just completed it? All right. Wow. So now we up to Romans. Okay. Now we'll stop here. Here's what we have to establish. Okay, everybody, I want you to listen. Because this is where I say, I got to be patient here, but this is where I want to just start screaming my full head off. We've got Matthew all the way through the book of Acts. Acts would be the most probably significant book, right? On the whole subject. Because this is the early church. This is the really, this is baptism first being put into practice. Now, if baptism is first being put into practice, right? Remember, this is the way everyone always acts. Well, hey, that one household, Lydia, man, that's got to prove infant baptism. Well, wait a minute. You're telling me that when all these people are being baptized in Acts, we can't get one account of a baby? Not even an example. We can't get anything. Clearly, if it was going to show up, where would it show up? It should show up in Acts. In fact, wouldn't it be very important for Acts to demonstrate it? Because you've got to make it clear, right? And remember the way it all works. When do you baptize the new baby? Eight days. Where did that come from? 
Yeah, see, they're borrowing from the, the Jewish idea of circumcision. But did, has anything in Acts been connected to circumcision? Has baptism been once connected to circumcision? Has baptism been connected to circumcision in the book of Acts? Was it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? All right, so in, in fact, where do you have a discussion about circumcision in Acts? The very first church council is where? It's in Jerusalem, but in what chapter? Isn't it 15? Everybody look at Acts 15 really quick. There's an entire discussion about should the Gentiles have to be circumcised, right? What's the conclusion at the end of the council? Find it in Acts 15 really quick. This is where I, oh man, I, 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 I remain so patient with so many theological issues, but this is the one theological issue I just lose all my patience with. It's, if now, if I don't believe in sola scriptura, let me make it very clear. If I can abandon sola scriptura, I'll go back, right back to Roman Catholicism, and I've got no problem baptizing babies, because the church can make the decision. But if I'm gonna, supposed to be going with scripture, I lose my mind on why people who believe in sola scriptura, like Presbyterians, believe you should be baptizing a baby. Because they connect it to circumcision. And Acts 15, what is the conclusion of the matter? What do they tell the Gentiles? Clearly, they don't tell them they have to be circumcised, right? Okay, do they tell them they have to baptize their babies at eight days old to put the mark of the covenant on them? In fact, in Acts 15, do they mention baptism? Why? Now, do you realize how utterly ridiculous it is for a Presbyterian to tell me that baptism replaces circumcision because where should have been the place to discuss it? Right here. You know how quick it would have taken? Hey, guys, guys, guys. We all know baptism replaced circumcision. So tell the Gentiles that they have a requirement. What would be the requirement? To baptize your baby. And if, 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 if baptism replaces circumcision, this council would have taken three seconds, right? Hey guys, circumcision has been replaced by baptism. So what do we tell the Gentiles? Baptize your babies at eight days old. Do they tell them that? No. I mean, of all the players, the whole issue is circumcision here, Right? And they don't mention baptism? What would that seem to indicate? Baptism clearly didn't replace circumcision, guys. In fact, it just seems to way circumcision has, the requirement for it has completely gone away. And it has nothing to do with baptism. If Acts 15 doesn't settle the issue, I don't know what does. The word baptism doesn't even appear in Acts 15. <laughs> Isn't that ridiculous? All right. Does, does everybody understand why I'm emphasizing that so much? We'll, we'll, look, at, uh, we'll look at the Westminster. Remind me if tonight, if we, if we pick up baptism tonight, remind me, we'll look at the Westminster Confession. Um. 
and look at how they justify baptizing and it being for infants. We can look what Luther says as well if we need to. Anyone who connects it to circumcision, I'm sorry, don't tell me I don't know how to read. All right, because that's just ridiculous. And they go to Colossians. I'm like, see, this proves it. Oh, yeah, nobody can figure it out until your magical reading of Colossians. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Because if anybody, if anybody should have been addressing it, it should have been the first council at Jerusalem where they were literally addressing circumcision. And they just seemed to forget that baptism supposedly replaced it. It, it, oh, it drives me crazy. All right, I'll have to stop there. So frustrating. All right. The, yeah, let's pray. Lord God, we come before you this morning. Lord, it is so difficult to see that the church and Christianity can't agree on anything, even when your word at least should limit our opportunities or our options on what we can or can't disagree on. Forgive us for what we've added, for what we ignore, for what we change create a Christianity in our image instead of a Christianity created in the image of your word. Forgive us for all of our failures because we've all done it in some way. We ask this in Jesus' name. And God's people said,